on the WWE podcast on this Friday, May 27th or May 26th, depending on when this episode drops, typically on Fridays, but I am once again recording it here on a Thursday because I gotten into the habit of being a lazy bastard and letting it drag on to Friday evenings or Saturday mornings at times. So just to be safe, I have um, habituated myself into recording it uh, earlier in the week just to make sure to stay punctual with you guys and uh, not be a lazy you-know-what. So um, today we are going to go back just about 17 to 16 years, and that is for the rebirth of ECW as an actual brand in WWE. And with the brand split currently or seemingly coming to an end in current state of WWE with the tag team titles getting unified, the world titles getting unified, you would assume that maybe the women's championship will eventually be unified. I thought it would be cool to look back on a time when WWE had not just two, but three brands, or at least how that third brand came to be. And it all started in the year 2005 when WWE brought back the ECW event. And the one night stand event to be exact and it was a major success i remember watching it uh, in my buddy's basement and it was pretty damn cool you know you had the main event of the dudley boys versus the sandman and tommy dreamer in a hardcore tornado tag team match and obviously all those guys were ecw originals but you even had some wwe guys go back over who had some ecw roots the show opened with Landstorm defeating Chris Jericho in a singles match in just about seven minutes. Super Crazy defeated Little Guido from the FBI and Tajiri in a triple threat match. Rey Mysterio defeated Psychosis in, a, in an Extreme Rules match. Sabu defeated Rhino. Chris Benoit defeated Eddie Guerrero. And I believe this was a heel Eddie Guerrero at the time. Mike Awesome defeated Tanaka. And then, like I said, the Dudley Boys defeating Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. And then a brawl would ensue by the WWE Crusaders, led by JBL, Edge, Eric Bischoff, and Kurt Angle. So, you fast forward a year, and WWE realizes that, hey, it worked last year. Why not we try it this year? And... It's been reported and talked about, I believe even Paul Heyman said this himself, that Shane McMahon behind the scenes had been pushing for an actual ECW brand. And, you know, they make RVD win the Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania in April. And obviously he is arguably the most recognizable face to ever come out of ECW, aside from Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I mean, like actually bread and bread, you know, truly bread rather ECW guys of that nature and 
then all of a sudden you start getting these little breadcrumbs that, hey, maybe ECW will become its own brand here and there. And it was when Paul Heyman announced it on Monday Night Raw that ECW would be officially becoming its own brand over on Sci-Fi on, I believe it would be Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. I can't remember which day it was. I want to say it was Tuesday. And Paul Heyman would be the general manager of that brand. And this was barreling towards the ECW one night stand main event. And he would get one draft pick from Monday Night Raw and one draft pick from SmackDown to kickstart his brand along with a lot of the returning guys. Obviously, Rob Van Dam, he was a Monday Night Raw guy. He officially went to the ECW brand right off the bat. But it was a true shock when Paul Heyman revealed who would be going to ECW from SmackDown. ACW One Night Stand, you and Edge are going to experience firsthand that Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk are more than capable of living up to the standards, not only what you set back in the day in ECW, but they're going to live up to the standards that you and Edge set for hardcore at WrestleMania. That's going to happen to you and Edge at ECW One Night Stand. But while you're at ECW One Night Stand, I want you and Edge to pay attention to the new vision for ECW. Because ECW won't just be about barbed wire and baseball bats and flaming tables and pile-driving women. We'll still have some of that, but make it's a, it's a whole lot more. Like, for example, you know ECW is coming back full-time. And because of that now, it's open season. Anybody on Raw or SmackDown that wants to jump to ECW is more than welcome to. And in addition to that, Vince McMahon has given me two draft picks. One from Raw, one from SmackDown. Oh, and let me guess your Raw draft pick. The winner is... Rob Van Dam! It's a great choice, Paulie. He's a tremendous wrestler, not only that, he loved the old ECW. I'm sure he'll love your new vision of ECW. But the only reason RBD liked the old ECW so much is because he truly was a high flyer. <laughs> the Kool-Aid did come in many forms, Mick. And at ECW One Night Stand, when Rob Van Dam beats John Cena for the WWE title and christens it the, oh, you know what's gonna happen, and rechristens it the ECW World Title, you see, Rob Van Dam will be witnessed not only by the ECW audience, but I hope by everybody that watches Raw, everybody that watches SmackDown, and my SmackDown draft pick, who happens to Let be- Let me guess! Let me see, wait, wait, give me a hint, I- He's a scarred up, used up, second rate, Mick Foley reject. Who is he, Paul? We're dying to know. No, Mick, who he is is somebody that embodies the new vision for ECW. What he is is not what you describe. What he is is someone that we have been paying attention to and have wanted to for the longest time. Because my pick from SmackDown embodies exactly what the new vision for ECW is going to be. I'd like to introduce you to him, Mick, because he's here tonight. He's here tonight!
And that was a shock, right? Because the year before, Kurt Angle was one of the main crusaders to go in and try and stop the ECW One Night Stand event, and then he was drafted to ECW. And, you know, this was the third time that Angle had switched brands in the last calendar year. He went from SmackDown to Raw in June of 05. He went back to SmackDown in January of 06. And then he now went from SmackDown to ECW in May of 2006. And again, like, I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but this was right around the time when Mick Foley made a kind of like somewhat of a full-time return to WWE following his match with Edge at WrestleMania 22 in 2006, and he had turned heel. He was very anti-ECW, aligned himself with Edge, and he was barreling towards a tag team hardcore match, tagging with Edge against Dreamer and Terry Funk at ECW One Night Stand. But before we would get to ECW One Night Stand, we would have a special presentation on USA Network on, on a Wednesday night. I remember this like yesterday. It was WWE versus ECW head-to-head on June 7th, 2006. I believe it was only a one-hour show, if I'm not mistaken, and it was four days before the pay-per-view. So it was kind of like a pay-per-view before the pay-per-view. And you'd only have five matches. The the pay-per-view would open with RVD defeating Rey Mysterio, who was the then World Heavyweight Champion, in just under 11 minutes. Mickey James defeated Jazz in a singles match. And then the third match was very, very important because you had a battle royal of ECW versus WWE. And on Team ECW, you had guys like Kurt Angle, you had Nunzio, Just Incredible, Terry Funk, you had Tommy Dreamer, The Sandman, all these guys who were just ECW originals. And then on Team WWE, who was represented by SmackDown and Raw, you had Mark Henry, you had Matt Hardy, you had The Big Show, you had Tatanka for some reason, (laughs) Carlito, Edge, Randy Orton, Finley, uh, Shelton Benjamin, and Bobby Lashley. But as the match started playing out and we got down to the final members, We've got a massive swerve of another guy jumping to ECW.
So the Big Show joins <laughs> ECW as he rips off the shirt and he has the ECW one right under it and he is another big name to go to ECW and I think that for the Big Show this was something that was desperately needed because he had just finished up his tag team run as the tag champs with Kane had been kind of stale as a babyface for I want to say just about a year and a half now and Obviously, we know that Big Show has swapped from babyface to heel more times than anyone could count, but he is a big name that jumps over to WWE, uh, to ECW rather, from WWE, joining the likes of Kurt Angle and Sabu. And we now get to the two main events, the first of which being Edge versus Tommy Dreamer in an Extreme Rules match, with which Edge defeats uh, Tommy Dreamer with the, the help of Lita priming them up for their tag team match just four days later at the pay-per-view. And then we have John Cena versus Sabu in a lumberjack match, an Extreme Rules lumberjack match. And this is when all hell would break loose, for a lack of better terms, and we would finally get to see a real tee-up for the WWE or the ECW one-night stand pay-per-view.
a side note, I always hated Joey Styles. I never really understand the, understood the love affair with him. But I respect that he was the voice of ECW in, you know, the original days. And then they rebooted it. It was him originally and all that. But I don't know. He just was not my cup of tea. So you really get a good appetizer because this wasn't a pay-per-view, but it was like a one-off network special. Like, I don't even know if you went to go watch it on the WWE Network, if you would look under the premium live events or a Monday Night Raw. It was kind of structured like a Monday Night Raw. I'm not, I can't even remember if it was live or if it was pre-taped. I remember like ECW had their own entrance on the side in the corner. But uh, either way, it really kind of set the table here as like a pre-pay-per-view to the real pay-per-view. And you go into ECW the one night stand pay-per-view and now you know that there is a lot of matches at stake here you have the world heavyweight championship on the line between Rey Mysterio and Sabu you have Rob Van Dam challenging John Cena for the WWE championship cashing in his money in the bank it was the only set it was the second only ever cash in after Edge and this time it was done in like a more I want to say traditional way but now like the traditional way is to do it when they're not expecting it, but in a way that, like, in a traditional match setting. So, we open up the match with Taz versus Jerry Lawler in a singles match that lasted all of 35 seconds. <laughs> and Taz defeats Lawler uh, via submission with the Taz mission. And then you have Kurt Angle against Randy Orton. And these two carrying over their rivalry over from SmackDown. They had been involved in the triple threat match for the world title at WrestleMania 22. Kurt Angle defeats Randy Orton by submission. Then you have the FBI defeating Super Crazy and Tajiri. And Big Show would make his presence known there, debuting a new theme song, debuting a new finishing move, the Cobra Clutch Backbreaker. And that match would last 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Then we get into one of the big matches. And this is Rey Mysterio versus Sabu in an Extreme Rules match for the World Heavyweight Championship. And you knew, you know, always know when you see Sabu in a match that something crazy is going to go on. And Rey Mysterio at this time, uh, just a few months into his World Heavyweight Championship run... And the way this one ended was truly one of the more shocking ends to a match, certainly on this pay-per-view.
So the match ends in a no contest after, I want to say, how would I describe this move? A springboard DDT? As Rey Mysterio is standing on a table that's placed on the guardrail and the ring apron, Sabu steps off of a chair, standing on the top rope, and springboards himself into a DDT on Rey Mysterio. The match is called off by, I guess, a ringside doctor, whoever that guy was, haven't seen, didn't see him before, haven't seen him since, and the match ends in a no contest, but certainly a big-time match uh, between Mysterio and Sabu. Then we get on to what I would say is probably the co-main event, and that is Edge and Mick Foley versus Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk, a program that had been building for just about a month or so. But right before the match starts, Beulah McGillicuddy, I guess the girlfriend or now wife of Tommy Dreamer, if I'm not mistaken, another woman who uh, I never really liked, didn't like Tommy Dreamer either, Terry Funk, whatever. Uh, you know, I gotta say that uh, I'm not usually going to cheer for the heels, but this was a match where I absolutely def- despised the baby faces. And um, anyway, not to get too far off track, uh, it has made a six-person match uh, with Lita and Beulah McGillicuddy being involved in the contest. And this was really gruesome. You know, you had Mick Foley get lit on fire here after um, Terry Funk hit him with a engulfed in flames uh, two-by-four with barbed wire. You had Mick Foley and Terry Funk go through a barbed wire table you had, oh my god, barbed wire like around the neck of Edge at one point. Terry Funk's eye was almost gouged out. It was bleeding all over the place. He got taken out, came back with his head all bandaged up. A very gruesome match. And the way it ended was in an ex- extremely vulgar fashion. But not exactly in terms of blood, but more in terms of sexuality.
So, <laughs> you know, I, I said it ended in kind of like a sexual way, which it did. I'm not even going to begin to describe the way that Edge pinned Beulah because this is a uh, PG show. And if you guys want to see it for yourselves, knock yourselves out. But even in the sense that, like, the violence on women that Matt talks about a lot, that, like, you know, Tommy Dreamer hits the Dreamer driver on Lita, and then Edge hits the spear on Beulah uh, to secure the victory, and then, like I said, the pin that was very um, uh, sexualized, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, just a something that we don't often see from uh, WWE programming anymore. So we now get to the main event and and before I actually go on to the main event uh, the ending where you had Mick Foley entangled in the barbed wire and Edge pulls him out of it and then you see Tommy Dreamer or not, not Tommy Dreamer Terry Funk in the barbed wire and I believe they actually had to cut him out because he was all entangled in it it was very cringeworthy stuff I'm not good with you know very graphic bloody um uh, images like that so for me it was difficult especially at that time I was what 12 years old so yeah very very difficult to watch to say the very least if you have a weak stomach like me but if you like that kind of stuff which I did too I missed that type of programming and uh, it definitely was extremely entertaining then we get to the main event of Rob Van Dam versus John Cena for the WWE Championship and like I said, Rob Van Dam cashing in his money in the bank briefcase to have this match in the first place. The signs or the infamous sign of saying, if Cena wins, we riot was hung from the balcony at the, what was it called? The, the ballroom hall, the, the whatever it was called, the ECW arena there. The Hammerstein ballroom, that's it. The name always escapes me. Very good match, went for just about 21 minutes, 20 minutes and 40 seconds to be exact. And obviously, we get towards the outcome, and it was one of the more shocking victories in the history of WWE because it would change the face of the landscape in WWE as we know it, at least temporary.
So with the help of Edge, Rob Van Dam defeats John Cena for the WWE Championship, winning his first and only world title in WWE. And originally he was going to christen it the ECW Championship. In fact, he would just be awarded the ECW Championship on ECW's uh, own show the very next week. And he would be the dual champion. And this is what would officially kick off the new and rebranded ECW. And uh, unfortunately for Rob Van Dam, due to personal reasons, I believe it was him and Sabu got busted for driving under the influence and possession of marijuana. Less than a month later, he would drop the WWE Championship to Edge, and he would drop the ECW Championship to The Big Show and uh, would kind of slam the brakes on Rob Van Dam's uh, run at the top of the card. And it was too bad because he was supposed to be the face of that ECW brand. And, you know, that ECW brand really had a tough start because you had that happen with Rob Van Dam and had his uh, world title uh, run cut short. You had Kurt Angle quickly leave WWE in favor of Impact Wrestling. So right off the hop... You had two of the major superstars set to carry the ECW brand kind of go away. Rob Van Dam would eventually return, but he never quite regained that momentum that he had at this pay-per-view. And Kurt Angle wouldn't return to the company until he was already retired as a full-time in-ring competitor in 2017. And as for the brand itself, it quickly went downhill. You know, you had the Big Show carry it as the ECW World Champion right up until December to Dismember uh, in December of 06. Then they sent Bobby Lashley over to the brand. You had Matt Hardy go over there. Christian, I believe uh, Sheamus started on ECW. But it never quite felt the same as uh, after a promising way to rejuvenate the brand. And, um, you know... The rise of ECW in 2006 was uh, a pretty cool one, but it quickly plateaued and and uh, further descended into oblivion and obscurity. But anyway, guys, um, that's all I got for you today. I hope you um, enjoyed the rebranded rise of ECW. As always, you can get me on Twitter at Adamarco25. You can get Matt on Twitter at Wrestling underscore Audio. Or you can email him each and every week for the WWE Podcast Mailbag. Anyway, guys, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.